0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
1: Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Lots of ground to cover on today's program. This is another one of those stories where everybody's wrong. Just everybody in this initial story is absolutely wrong. You have a couple Republican state legislators who have decided that they want to put a Christmas tree up in the Capitol Rotunda. This is in Madison. Typically, and they by the way, they are Christmas trees. Tony Evers, being Tony Evers, refuses to acknowledge that it is a Christmas tree. He insists on calling them a holiday tree because he doesn't want to offend anybody. Okay, fine. So this year they the capital because the capital is closed to the public and because evers is a bit of a grinch the capital has decided that they are not going to erect that giant Christmas tree that they typically put up in the Capitol Rotunda. All right. So that's that's the rule. They've decided we're not going to do this. And it's typically decorated by kids from around the state and things like that. So they've decided we're not going to do that this year. And in order to put stuff in the Capitol Rotunda, you need to get a permit. And the Evers administration really kind of controls those permits. So they made a decision we're not going to put anything up there. All right. Without a permit – Two state representatives then decided, you know what, we're, we're gonna reach into our own pockets and we're gonna put a Christmas tree, a smaller Christmas tree, but we're gonna put a Christmas tree up in the rotunda because we think there should be a Christmas tree there. Now they didn't have a permit to do it, so they're, they're in the wrong, because they didn't have a permit to do it. But at the same time, All right, when you look at all the stuff that's going on in this world, okay, is this the biggest deal? Well, anyhow, Tony the Grinch Evers and his administration decide, no, we can't have the Christmas tree there, so they have it taken down because they didn't have a permit. And by the way, the Republican legislators, they're wrong to put it up because they didn't have the permit. But this is something that, given that there's not enough other stuff, I guess, going on in the state of Wisconsin to worry about, the Evers administration swoops in and they have the tree taken out. OK, at that point in time, the Republican legislators decide, well, we're going to put another tree up. How dare they put that tree? They take our tree down. So yesterday they put another tree up and they decorate it with ornaments that they've now received from all over the the state. And I think maybe even all over the country, they put it up. And within about six hours, my understanding is, you know, last night, Governor Evers has it taken down again. So we have this this ongoing battle between, I mean, it's really like who can be more childish, right? Now the Republican legislators, and I said this when we discussed it last week. They're wrong to put up the tree. In, in they don't have the permit to do it. Now I understand the frustration because for the the last eight years, we've allowed the Capitol rotunda to be occupied by the solidarity singers and we, we've allowed all this stuff to go on. Um, so it is, I'm sure, frustrating to a lot of people that after allowing the capital to be taken over for, you know, day after day, year after year, by people trying to push a particular agenda, that now we, we, we can't have a Christmas tree that the public isn't paying for. So I understand the frustration, but there are rules and the rules are you're not supposed to have it there. So uh, the the Republican legislators, in my opinion, are wrong to keep putting up the tree. If you want to have the trees up, put the trees in your offices that you're entitled to do that. Now, Evers, for his part, could look the other way because Lord knows they look the other way on all sorts of things. And I do think it is interesting that under the Evers administration, we have thousands, we have tens of thousands of Wisconsin residents who have been in some cases, waiting months and months and months to get unemployment compensation that they are otherwise entitled to. They're waiting months and months and months to do that. And Evers can't figure out how to get people money that they are entitled to, but but within six hours, we take down the Christmas tree. Now, there is a little bit of irony to that. Maybe the Christmas tree is the low hanging fruit. Gee, I can't figure out how to get Wisconsin residents money that they are otherwise entitled to. So we'll, we'll forget about them, but we're going to take down the Christmas tree. The, the whole thing, to me, it is a classic example on all levels of the dysfunction that permeates The state of Wisconsin now and the legislature and the executive branch. These two Republican legislators put the Christmas trees up in your offices. All right. You don't have the permit to do it. You should follow the rules. Governor Evers. Don't you have more important things to worry about, given all the stuff that's going on, than obsessing about having these Christmas trees taken down? And yes, Governor, they are not holiday bushes. They are not holiday whatevers. They are, in fact, Christmas trees. But again, this is where we're at. Nobody's right, in my opinion, in this particular situation. And and again, to me, it's just an example of... Again, the dysfunction that is permeating Madison on the, these whole levels. The governor, Lord knows, he looks the way, looks the other way on all sorts of other problems, whether it's rioting in Kenosha. Oh, you you just name it. Whether it's the unemployment thing, he looks the other way on that. But here, we're pulling those Christmas trees out. How dare they put them up? The Republican legislators, Lord knows there's a lot of stuff that needs to be done, like helping people get through COVID and all that type of stuff. And maybe you'd be better off spending your time trying to address that than insisting on putting these trees up. It's just, it's almost like, and I say this collectively, it's almost like you've got a bunch of Six-year-olds, four-year-olds, three-year-olds who are sitting in a sandbox just throwing stuff at each other. And the only thing you want to do is say, everybody, to your rooms, none of you, none of you should be, in this case, playing in the sandbox. Or none of you should be, you know, making policy decisions for the state of Wisconsin. Having said that, Merry Christmas to all. When we come back, did you even know about the Insurrection Act? I'll explain and we'll discuss
2: Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: Somebody just uh, tweeted me a a video made by the Washington County executive. Um, His name is Josh Shulman. Um, Here's the tweet. It's in Madison, bureaucratic Grinches have used red tape to stop a Capitol Christmas tree. Well, yes. Of course, you have to understand. Under Tony Evers, we don't call them Christmas trees again. They're they're holiday trees or whatever, because Lord knows we don't want people to be offended that Christmas is in fact Christmas. But but in any event, again, my point on this is that. They've got these rules. The Republicans didn't follow the rules. Now, it's petty to deny them the ability to put up the tree. It's petty to deny them the permit. But that's what goes on with Evers' administration. And I think you don't have the permit. I think it's just wrong to go ahead and say, okay, we're just going to go ahead and blast ahead and do this anyways, which is why I say a pox on all those houses but and everybody's houses here. But interestingly enough, in Washington County, the county executive sends, sends a video of him in the the offices of the Washington, the Washington County, presumably courthouse, and the text is, in Madison, bureaucratic Grinches have used red tape to stop a Capitol Christmas tree. In Washington County, we cut red tape and turn it into red Christmas bows. There is a picture of the big tree that is out there. Matter of fact, I think I am even going to uh, retweet this. Man, I almost never do that, but I am just kind of retweeting that as well uh, because, again, it th- this shows how this, this whole thing should be handled. But of course. In Tony Evers' Wisconsin, um, where he's looking for every excuse he can to stick it to legislative Republicans, and the legislative Republicans who are looking for everything they can do to stick it to Tony Evers, this this is, is where we end up, kids in the sandbox. All right. I know some of you do not want to accept this and do not want to hear it, and I know some of you still refuse to accept it, but the truth of the matter is the fat lady has sung in what, January 20th, Joe Biden will be inaugurated as the 46th president of the United States. That is just the reality. Now, President Trump still isn't, um, President Trump still is not conceded. President Trump is, again, trying to, in some respects, mobilize people saying, all right, this is fraud, the election was stolen, et cetera, et cetera. But those claims have been denied by the court. They're not going anywhere. And so in an orderly transition, whether or not President Trump shows up at the inauguration or not, Joe Biden will, in fact, be inaugurated unless President Trump were to, I don't know, refuse to go. Here's the story in The Washington Post. Let me share a portion of it with you. On Facebook, North Carolina State Senator Bob Steinberg paraphrased a conservative commentator to make a radical suggestion. President Trump should declare a national emergency, suspend civil rights and remain in power over his claims of election fraud. Asked by a local TV station on Tuesday whether he stands by these sentiments, Steinberg doubled down, insisting that nefarious forces had corrupted President-elect Joe Biden's victory. There's something going on here bigger than what anybody is willing to talk about. I don't like conspiracy theories at all, but something is going on here that's bigger than meets the eye. Steinberg wasn't alone among certain GOP lawmakers in suggesting that Trump suspends civil liberties, even even after the Electoral College finalized Biden's win, Virginia State Senator Amanda Chase on Tuesday also called for martial law, echoing a suggestion floated by Michael Flynn Flynn, the former national security adviser pardoned by the president last month. The state senator claimed that the Supreme Court justice has declined to hear the challenge last week because somebody's got something on the highest judicial officers in the Nation, She went on to say the American people aren't fools. We know you cheated to win and will never accept these results. Chase advocated for Flynn's suggestion earlier this month that the president suspend the Constitution and have the military implement a national revote that reflects the true will of the people. Our number 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet mortgage talk and text line. I almost don't know what to say uh, about this. Now, I, I understand I have rankled some of you over the last several weeks when I have made the point that I, we can talk about the different processes, but despite all the, the dozens and dozens of lawsuits, my, my point has been there's really no evidence of any sort of significant voter fraud. That is, you know, people who weren't entitled to vote voting or suddenly 10, 000, 10 million people who voted for Trump, those votes shifted to Biden. I mean, you, again, you, you can say, gee, should we have let people turn in ballots in, in Madison at, at tables staffed by you know people who'd been deputized by the clerk's office? You can argue about procedure, but as far as av- overt voter fraud, it, it just hasn't been shown. But what about this idea that Trump should refuse to leave, this idea that Trump should declare martial law and say, I'm not going, I'm going to do this. What would do this do to the country? And can anybody be serious in trying to suggest it? 855-616-1620, that's the AccuNet mortgage talk and text line. I guess I, I look at this. And I understand that there's some people who are going to be thrilled with the results of the election. There's a lot of people who are going to be unhappy with the results of the election. And there's going to be some people that will continue to believe that the election was stolen. I I understand that. But in response to that, what would it do to this country were we to be in a situation where the president would refuse to leave, try to declare martial law and stay? What does that make us? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in a moment.
0: Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, when it comes to the 2020 election and the results, the fat lady has sung. That is the reality. Joe Biden is going to be inaugurated as the next president in, what, January 20th, whatever that date is. There are some... Republican state legislators who are encouraging the president not to leave uh, invoke the Insurrection Act, declare martial law, direct the military to order a revote. Now, I, I just I'm. I'm, I'm wondering if people actually think about what the implications of that would be. All right, here's a couple texts. Jeff, this would make us like a banana republic. One thing we have always been able to brag about is our civil elections, our change of power. Not anymore. Um, Jeff, a number of polls and studies have indicated a sizable percentage of Americans harbor author- authoritarian tendencies. They would be more than happy to trash all of this and end America's um a uh, democratic um, experiment. Well, I sure hope not. Jeff, this is just crazy. It's the sort of reaction you'd expect from a banana republic dictator. Yeah, that's the phrase, banana republic. President Trump needs to accept defeat with dignity and move on. He's his own worst enemy, and history will label him such. That's Andy. Now, in fairness, President Trump isn't the one that's talking about uh, declaring martial law, at least not at at this point. I'm just thinking, you know, what are some of these legislators thinking by even promoting it? Do they understand what they are talking about? Jeff, this makes us fascists. Well, it would make us fascists. Leanne Racine says, Jeff, it would make us a banana republic. There would be a civil war like it or not he must leave office jeff at some point in time you have to say uncle and leave office trump needs to concede and start golfing again yeah work on that golf game jeff this idea is a total insult to our founding fathers and men who fought in horrific deplorable conditions during the revolutionary war and i would add during all the wars since then i mean you know, here's a text that makes a point. A peaceful transmission of power is what makes us America. And the answer is yes. Look, I, I remember, and we've talked about this before, I remember Bush-Gore 2000, and I remember how worked up people were on both sides as that whole thing ended up playing out. I mean, I, I, I understand all, all how all that played out and such, but at the end of the day, I remember that evening when the Supreme Court ruled or refused to take a certain appeal, ending this. And the Gore campaign, you know, said, okay, that that's it. We, we, we are a country of laws. We follow the rules. And after the Supreme Court refused to take that case that night, it was sometime in December, George Bush became the president of the United States. What was he, 43rd? He became the 43rd president of the United States, and we had the orderly transition of power. That is something that has always existed in this country, and it's important for it to continue to exist. And again, what we need to do is you need to say, all right, four years from now, let's say... Joe Biden doesn't run for re-election, but Kamala Harris runs, and she runs against Nikki Haley, and by a similarly close margin, Nikki Haley wins, and she is scheduled to be the 47th president of the United States. Well, can you imagine... Can you imagine the outrage that people on the right would have if people on the left were talking about, hey, let's let's invoke the Insurrection Act. Let's declare martial law. Let's not have this orderly transition of power. Now, you can't do that. And I understand people are bummed out. At least some people, 70 plus million people voted for President Trump. They're unhappy that he lost the election. Maybe they think the election was unfair. OK, that that's that's all well and good. But We, we've been through the courts. That has now been decided. And to, to give any more time at all to some of these like kooky ideas that are out there. And it's not just that it's a wacko idea, because it is a wacko idea, but it is also dangerous if you get millions of people saying, that's exactly what happened. We, we shouldn't have an orderly transition of power. We should take to the streets. We should have the military come in. No, 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 no. That's not just nuts. It's scary. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. This is playing out in San Francisco, but it could well play out in Madison in the very near future. San Francisco recently authorized a committee to look at renaming schools because the thinking was a lot of these schools have been named after people living and dead who are not, by twenty twenty one standards, worthy of having the names, uh, having schools named after them. Um, for example, there's a Diane Feinstein Elementary School. You know, she's a U.S. Senator. Well, there, some people are upset with some positions that Diane Feinstein has taken. So, her name is, is. They're they're talking about changing the name of that school. Well, I don't care whether there's a Diane Feinstein Elementary School or not. But there is, and has been for decades and decades and decades, an Abraham Lincoln high school in San Francisco, with no debate at all, this renaming committee said, well, of course, we have to change the name of Link the Abraham Lincoln High School. We cannot have a high school named after Abraham Lincoln. Now, you might try to figure out, okay, what is the rationale? Well, first of all, um, people say the thinking is, well, you know, when it comes to when it comes to abraham lincoln and yes we understand the emancipation's proclamation and and we understand that you know the civil war and ending slavery and things like that but in his daily life beyond these things like the civil war ending slavery the emancipation proclamation he didn't demonstrate on a daily basis that black lives mattered to him all right so that's strike one strike two is the fact that Abraham Lincoln, at least in the eyes of some of these people on this committee, Abraham Lincoln is not worthy because the majority of his policies proved to be detrimental to Native Americans. So this isn't even coming at it from the perspective of, uh, again, he, he wasn't supportive enough to Black Lives Matter, even though Black Lives Matter didn't exist in 1860, but that's another issue. All right, here's the statement. Abraham Lincoln is not seen as much as a hero at all among many American Indian nations and native peoples of the United States as the majority of his policies proved to be detrimental to them. The committee meeting notes state, under his watch, indigenous people had much of their land taken from them. In 1862, the Homestead Act, where citizens could claim ownership of 160 acres of land, and the Pacific Railway Act, which gave railroad companies permission to build a transcontinental railroad through America, which, of course, was a, a major development in the development of this country. Anyways, those policies led to the significant loss of land and natural resources, as well as the loss of lifestyle and culture for many indigenous peoples, the committee said. In 1864, the Lincoln administration then oversaw the deportation of the Navajo tribe from their land in what is now Arizona, Arizona. Moving them to New Mexico. Um, it goes on and on, but you, you understand that now the attack on Lincoln, it's not just that he didn't do enough for, for blacks. It's that, gee, you know, he was instrumental, or at least he was a part, in taking lands from Native Americans. And as a result of that, all of the individuals who for years and years have cherished his legacy and appreciated this, well, we have to now look at stuff that he did in 1860, and it is an insult to Native Americans to name a school after Abraham Lincoln. 855-616-1620, that's the acunate mortgage talk and text line. All right, here is my question. Is it? Now, again, if you look at Abraham Lincoln and the way Abraham Lincoln's legacy has been taught in schools for the last 150 years, he is generally recognized as one of, if not the greatest American president, right? Right. But there is probably no question that if you look at some of his policies, especially regarding expansion, consistent with the policies of, my guess is, most of the presidents that served in the 1800s, what you find is you, you will find, hey, you know, he had policies that resulted in Native Americans having lands taken from them, et cetera, et cetera. Is that a basis for rethinking our view of Abraham Lincoln and for saying, all right, we have to now try to look at his legacy and say, you know what, we don't think he was deserving to be recognized, and we certainly can't expect people to go to a school. We can't subject kids to having to go to a school that is named after somebody who was so, so irresponsible or so non-aware or so uncaring of rights of Native Americans in 1862. 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My question of all this is, where does the cancel culture start? stop? Is this really what we want our society to look like moving forward, where you take people who accomplished Great things. And you try to look at their legacy and say, okay, well, you know, judged by 2020 standards, all right, he signed the Pacific Railway Act that allowed the railway to extend across the country. Well, we generally recognize that as being a great thing, but, you know, it, it did have a negative effect on certain Native American tribes. So we can't recognize, we can't recognize Abraham Lincoln for his accomplishments. At what point in time do we say enough is enough? My answer to that would be, well, this is a very good example. And sitting there and saying we can't name schools after Abraham Lincoln is not just ill-considered. It's flat-out kooky. But yet, this is where progressive thinking takes us now. 855-616-1620, we discuss in a moment.
0: Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: 855-616-1620, let's be real clear here. Anybody out there suggesting that Donald Trump should invoke the Insurrection Act, declare martial law, and refuse to leave, use the military to force a revote, that is a kook idea. If you think that that is a good idea, you are a kook. I'm sorry, but that's the case. Similarly, if you are one of those people in this commission in San San Francisco or somebody else out here hearing this who thinks that Abraham Lincoln – And other figures like him need to have their names removed from schools because, well, he wasn't woke enough. And don't you know, he signed the uh, Pacific Railway Act that expanded the railway across the country and ended up, you know, adversely affecting some Native American tribes. If you think that Abraham Lincoln needs to be canceled, you too, sir or madam, are a kook. Let's start with Katie in Burlington. Katie from WTMJ.
2: I can hardly stomach this kind of BS. It's just, it is, our history is our history. The good, the bad, and the ugly. We need to teach both sides of the issue. We need to teach it in a well-rounded way. We need to learn from mistakes. And if you hold everyone in the past to the somewhat outlandish and i think just kooky standards of today by some people they'll never live up to it he'll mm-hmm. never be able to name a school it's like saying dr salk we're not going to honor him for, for the polio vaccine because he didn't cure measles mumps yeah. and, right. and and he should have i mean it's ridiculous these people feel better by saying these things and having these committees and talking about being woke But their actions and their hearts mean so much more in everyday behavior than anything they can do in any of these committees. And no one wants to take that on. No one wants to fundamentally change their little bubble. Instead, they want to talk a good talk and feel good about themselves and wear a T-shirt. But they actually don't want to do the hard work it takes to change things. And sometimes you're going to make hard decisions and you're going to, Pee people off because you can't please anyone. But we would never, ever advance as human beings or country if some people, like Abraham Lincoln, didn't make some of those hard, unpopular decisions. It's not a popularity contest. It's not a feel-good world. It is a world of... Taking action, taking responsibility, and maybe honoring the wonderful things people did instead of focusing on all the standards of yours right. that they didn't reach. Right and and, and still work right. with judging other people.
1: No, Katie, thanks the call. And and looking back, you know, okay, now look, my guess is and, and I did not check this out beforehand, but my guess is the Pacific Railway Act, which provided the access to, to link You know, the the country, east and west via railroad, which was a, a huge development in the development of this country, my guess is that that was something that had incredibly broad support. Maybe even unanimous support, you know, among among legislators. Everybody wanted to do that because it was important to the development of the country. So to now come back and say, well, you know, 150 years later, you know, we we think that by signing that act, what you did is you adversely affected some Native American tribes, and they had to relocate. Well, okay, that that's fine. You're judging actions that you took in 1862 by your 2020 standards, and then you're trying to be judgmental about it. At this, you have to look, I think, at people's actions in the context of, again, the times they had and the decisions they placed. But I appreciate your point, Katie. You know, you wonder what would happen with some of these people who get worked up about this stuff whether it's, you know, trying to rename this or the students out in Madison that want to get the statue of Abraham Lincoln removed. You know, this is something. These particular causes do absolutely nothing to advance the cause of your whatever you're pushing for. The lives of black Americans are not bettered at all. By taking the name of Abraham Lincoln off this high school or removing the statue of Abraham Lincoln from Madison. The lives of Native Americans are not bettered in any meaningful way any way at all if you rename the school and say okay we're not going to call it the abraham lincoln school anymore we're going to call it whatever it's it doesn't do anything to your point to make people's lives better at all as such all it is is virtue signaling it's invoking the cancel culture and at the end of the day it's a waste of time and it's nuts It's just flat out nuts. And I think one of the things that frustrates me is because we we live in this politically correct world, you, you don't have people willing to stand up and say, look, this is a kooky idea. And the right has kooky ideas. President Trump invoking the Insurrection Act and declaring martial law. That's kooky. If you think that's a good idea, you're a kook. If you think you need to rename the Abraham Lincoln School because, well, Abraham Lincoln wasn't woke enough and he signed the Pacific Railway Act in 1862, you are, I am afraid to say, a kook. And why we cater to the kooks is absolutely beyond me. Let's talk to Rain in West Milwaukee or WTMJ. (laughs)
3: Well that's a hell of an introduction for uh, what I'm about to say but uh, in Milwaukee we have the Oliver Wendell Holmes school which I'm not sure if you are he was a Supreme Court justice yep, in the, the early Oliver. 1900s and sure. um, the Nazi party used his ideology in, in to implement the final solution I mean it, the, the sterilization of uh, you know criminals they were inherently you know negative to society I mean <clears throat> you know, call me a kook, but I think, uh, you know, celebrating, and which is what we're doing when we're naming a school after somebody is not to wash over or erase history, but we are focusing on them and, you know, holding them to an example, like, this is how you shine. So, I mean, you use the word political. I mean, the, the root of that is polis, right, you know, of the city. So, you know, calling these people these are the Native Americans, these are the people who suffered, you know, from these policies. And, you know, you got to look at it from the other side and recognize that, you know, those are the people that were hurt by it. And if they don't want to celebrate Lincoln, you know, let them rule themselves the way that they think they should.
1: I'm sorry, I didn't understand anything you said. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm sorry, let's, let's talk about Lincoln. You, you think that we shouldn't name schools after Lincoln because there was a well, policy no, that separate, he enacted? Let's separate the, go ahead because there were policies he enacted in 1862 that ha- might have had adverse impact in retrospect on, on Native Americans so we, we can't recognize Abraham Lincoln as being well, one of the greatest American I mean presidents. There's,
3: there's a separation of reality that's that's happening right I mean there was this great thing that Lincoln did we benefited from the construction of the railroad yeah. but how did the Chinese feel about that I mean the the people that were interned and you know oh. pretty much be dehumanized, but, but
1: where do we go well, with the, this? Where, uh, t- tell me what the end game is. So the end game is because there were people that were adversely affected by decisions we, we, we can't name buildings we can't say America uh, that Abraham Lincoln was well, a great I president.
3: Mean, I mean you, you know you got a radio show and you you know you do a story and you blow it up, which is you know I respect you no, know, but, I but no,
1: but I, I, I ask you a specific question. So we can't be, because there might be people who were adversely affected, we now have to take Abraham Lincoln's name off of things should Should we take down the Lincoln Memorial?
3: Uh, you know, let's analyze the use Should of the we take we. down the Lincoln Memorial? Like, no.
1: should, should the government take down the Lincoln Memorial?
3: Do I think that? No. I mean, I'm not in favor of, you know, renaming the school. I mean, that's okay. not my position. But somebody who was different than me, you know, who's maybe, you know, whose ancestors worked on the railroad. And, you know, don't have very fond opinions of that. Maybe somebody say ancestors were native american yep. and were displaced from their lands don't have the same positive opinions that i do and i think that we need to respect The collective, and when we use the word we remember that that it's not.
1: That's right. That's right. It it is collective. Right. Thanks for the call. It it is. It is the collective. It is not giving in to the tyranny of the whacked-out minority. And and yeah, I'm sorry. The the people out there that think, okay, we we need to we need to take down the Lincoln Memorial. We need to take Lincoln's name off of all these things. I don't even know where you're going with the Oliver Wendell Holmes thing, because to my knowledge, Oliver Wendell Holmes. Um Oliver Wendell home when did he pass away let me see here um okay he december 19 let's see he was in office um he was the supreme court justice and again one of the most generally generally recognized as one of the one of the great um great justices um he was in the supreme court from 1902 to 1932 i, I have no idea I have no idea what you're talking about with regard to, well, some of his ideology was adopted by the the Nazi party. I don't think anybody suggests that he himself was a Nazi or whatever. But again, it's this cancel culture that ends up getting run amok. And I understand it makes some people feel good. And I understand some people don't like to be called a kook because you, well, I, I, we should we should get rid of Abraham Lincoln or we should take these names off. And how dare you have a Ronald Reagan high school? Don't you understand, you know, what Reagan was? And, you know, I, I understand there's people out there that think like that, but I, I'm sorry. that is the tyranny of the minority. And just because you've got a handful of people who think that, gee, they're offended by this or offended by that, or want to have a revisionist view of history, doesn't mean you're not, doesn't mean that everybody else has to go along with that, because otherwise you're giving in to all the aggrieved people. Now, if you've got somebody, for example, let's take Barack Obama. Barack Obama, I, I think, you know, lots of people just love the job he did. We've got schools in Wisconsin and Milwaukee named after Barack Obama. Does somebody come up and say, gee, I think Barack Obama's policy towards this person or that person or whatever, I think it was bad, so now we have to cancel Barack Obama. I mean, is, is that where we do it? They want to cancel Diane Feinstein for goodness sake, who's been a liberal icon in California. Why do they want to cancel her? Because there's something at some point in time when she was the mayor of San Francisco, she let a Confederate flag fly over the Capitol for a day. So because this happened, you, you can't name the school after Diane Feinstein? I mean, where do you draw the line and and where do we finally come to a point where we say, look, we're, we're not giving in to all these folks that now by in 2020 decide we're not woke e- enough. And, and yeah, I, I have no problem. If, if you want to argue that the legacy of, for example, Abraham Lincoln and his treatment of indigenous people, that needs to be examined and it needs to be taught and maybe it's more complicated, that, that's fine. But it doesn't change the fact that he was a great figure in American history and that we don't need to cancel him because some people in retrospect might not have liked the effect of decisions by applying 2020 standards to 1862. Huh. This is Jeff Wagner.
0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's
1: Jeff Wagner. You know, our last caller before the break really, really stumped me, Because, but it is a great example of the, by, stumped me by, by, by I a mean reference he made, but it is a great example of the counterculture, because the cancel culture that's out there. Because he said, well, you know, we... We've got a school in Milwaukee named after Oliver Wendell Holmes. You know who he wasn't yet? And and I do. And I think anybody who went through law school knows. Oliver Wendell Holmes is generally recognized as one of the greatest... Um, uh, jurists in, in American history. Um, he was born in 1841. He, he fought in the Civil War. He lived until 1935. He was appointed to the Supreme Court in 1902 by Teddy Roosevelt. But before that, he had, you know, um, he'd been a, a judge in, in Massachusetts. Um, here, here's the way I hate to do this, but here's the way Wikipedia describes Oliver Wendell Holmes, an American jurist who served as Associate Justice on the Supreme Court in the United States from 1902 to nineteen thirty two and as acting Chief Justice um in nineteen thirty. Noted for his long service, concise and pithy opinions, and deference to the decisions of elected legislators he legislatures, he is one of the most widely cited United States Supreme Court justices in history, particularly for opinions on civil liberties. Yeah, he was very very, very pro-civil liberties and also very pro-states rights and American constitutional democracy and is one of the most influential American common law judges honored during his lifetime in Great Britain, as well as the United States. Holmes retired from the court at the age of 90, an unbeaten record for oldest justice in the federal Supreme Court. Um All right. So it, so it goes on. And I, I just I was thinking, boy, I've, I've never heard Holmes as being Controversial, and I was trying to figure out what the caller was talking about. Well, I think what he was referring to is this is a guy who has a, a long, a long body of of jurisprudence, and like I say, generally recognized as one of the greatest American jurists ever. I think what he's referring to is in eight in nineteen twenty seven. There was a case that went to the Supreme Court in yeah, 1927, um, about the Virginia, the state of Virginia had, had a, what they called a sterilization act, which allowed the sterilization of people who were mentally incompetent. Now, now, by, by the standards of, you know, 2020, you know, 100 years ago, I think you know most of us would cringe at something like that I mean I I certainly would but that was the that was the legislation and homes. Um, the the Supreme Court upheld that law in 1927 by a vote of 8-1. to So I I assume when the caller, for example, was making references to, well, that's the, the Nazi legacy and stuff, I assume the reference is to Holmes and the rest of the Supreme Court upholding the Sterilization Act of 1924. But that's a classic example. Okay, you have a guy who's written hundreds of judicial opinions, given thousands of different speeches, and so let's focus on this decision. Decision, an eight to one decision by the Supreme Court in nineteen twenty seven and say hey that this you know that this you had Nazis that kind of invoked some of this this thinking, and so we can't name the school after him i mean th- that's that 's what I mean about the cancel culture and how you can kind of obsessively try to look through people 's records and find stuff that gee i don't like this or i don't like the impact of this, so now we can 't recognize them and again where where does the virtue signaling end? All right, let us switch gears. We talked a little bit about this yesterday, but I want to revisit it. Here are the numbers. Today's TMJ4 had had the story on this yesterday. Milwaukee County is on track to record a 70% spike in homicides, a 30% increase in fatal overdoses, and a 26% increase in fatal automobile accidents. Uh, All right. The city and the county have already suppressed the record of homicides this year, last set in 1991. All right, so you have to, well, it, already, we've still got, what, another two weeks left in in 2020. And already in the city of Milwaukee and in Milwaukee County, there are the largest number of homicides ever. That That, that is almost unthinkable. But the level of violence, for whatever reason, as I said yesterday, in fairness, what, what's going on in Milwaukee is not necessarily unique to Milwaukee. There are other urban areas that are seeing the, the numbers spike as well, you know, Baltimore and Chicago and Detroit and other places. But. But this is Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and we're going to set an all-time record for the number of homicides that's out there, not to mention, again, motor vehicle fatalities largely caused by people driving recklessly and things of the like, and, of course, 30% increase in over, overdoses and all. So that, that's the background. We have, we, we have a nightmare on the streets and, you know, I could spend 30 minutes a day, five days a week, just going through the police blotter of the, the latest crimes and deaths, et cetera. And the, the sad fact is... Stuff that 15 or 20 years ago would have gotten stories on TV or would have gotten written about in the newspaper, you you don't even hear about it anymore. I mean, it's just, you know, we uh, unless there's a carjacking in Wauwatosa that involves a a woman and a baby that are taken, you you don't hear about it. I mean, the, the number of carjackings, the number of armed robberies. It's just, okay, well, there, another day, another 20 of them, or, or whatever. You know, we, we, it doesn't even make the news unless it's a, a guy shooting up Mayfair shopping mall. That's just the, the sad reality of this. So against this backdrop, yesterday, the, or Monday, the Milwaukee Common Council, Tuesday morning, yesterday morning, the Milwaukee Common Council turned down million in federal money over three years. The $10 million would have been used to essentially fund 30 police positions. Now, this was all part of something that rolled out last fall. It's called Operation Legend. And federal officials, FBI people, DEA people, ATF agents, the idea is come into a community, work with local police officers, and target You know, violent crime, target dangerous types of, of criminals and try to go after criminal organizations. And the feds pay for it. So the deal was the feds were going to kick in $10 million, which would have been used to pay for 30 police officers. Those 30 police officers would then have been assigned to this Operation Legend thing. And actually it would be 30 experienced police officers and this $10 million would have paid for their replacements. Now in the city of Milwaukee, um, the mayor's budget adopted by the Common Council has already cut the size of the police department by 120 spots. Despite the fact that we have the, the mean streets, the killing fields of Milwaukee, we're, we're taking 120 police officers off the street or at least not filling the spots. If we turn down this grant that means another 30 police officers have to go. Another 30 spots disappear. And the Common Council, by a vote of nine to six, decided that they were going to turn down The grant. Now, the Common Council has accepted multiple grants in the past. Originally, the reason they were concerned about this is because it it had a condition saying you have to agree to cooperate with the federal government when it comes to enforcing immigration laws. Well, some people in the Common Council didn't like that. So actually what happened is the Fed said, look, okay, don't worry about this. You know, don't worry about the immigration aspect. What we really want to do is we want to give you money to come on board and help us fight violent crime in your community. Community. Nine to six vote. The Common Council said no. Now, in his, to his defense and his credit, Mayor Barrett is like, what's, what's going on here? I, I mean, yes, I, I would have accepted the money. Why wouldn't we accept the money? Our number is eight five five six one 616 That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It is stories like this, which just have me shaking my head. And, and this, you, you might say, why why, why did they say no to this? Well, in my opinion, the reason they said no is you have a majority of the Common Council, um, including, including a number of older men and women who represent areas that are hit hardest by violent crime who would benefit the most from these grants, who have decided that they want to pander to members of the community who are anti-police, who decide that, gee, we'd be better off if we didn't have cops on the street. 855-616-1620, that's the acunate mortgage talk and text line. I'm sorry, I just think this is absolutely outrageous. Cutting police officers, cutting 120 cops in 2021 is crazy. Absolutely crazy, given what's going on on the street, turning down ten million dollars in federal money that would allow you to have n- not cut an extra thirty is beyond crazy. It is irresponsible and candidly, I said yesterday, I think this is one of those deals where you want to go out and you want to say, will the last law abiding citizen who cares for their public sa- or cares for the safety of them and their families who live in Milwaukee will they please turn the lights out when they leave?" 855 Is there any justification at all for cutting another 30 cops by refusing to take this federal money? We discuss in just a moment.
2: This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Make no mistake about this. That this is, this is the defund the police thing that that that's what this is this and and members of the common council who have decided that we want to pander to certain elements of our constituencies who are anti-police who view the police as an occupying force and so here's what we want to do we want to we want to do everything we can to try to gut the police department so we've already taken 120 spots away this year uh last year i think that they lost 60 spots and so now let's have another 30 let's turn down free money. And again, I I understand when you're getting money from the federal government, it's not free. It comes from somewhere. But this this is the same city of Milwaukee that is falling all over itself for the same Milwaukee County to take tens of millions of dollars in federal money to build a high speed bus line so you can get from the lakefront to the medical college in 37 minutes. We're going to take like 40 million dollars in federal money to do that. And you're going to say no to 10 million dollars, which would pay for 30 police officers, so experienced police officers could target violent crime, particularly, my guess is, like I say, it's going to be crime that's affecting many of the neighborhoods where the aldermen and women who voted against this. Live. Um, let's see. Um, Jeff, the clowns couldn't run a popcorn stand. Unfortunately, Milwaukee is circling the drain while the mayor is asleep at the wheel. Well, I think Tom Barrett is asleep at the wheel. When it comes to some things, I mean, he was pushing for this. I mean, he was, in fact, pushing for this, but the Common Council decided at least no. Jeff, will the city even save money if they don't have if they have to pay overtime to cover the hours of those officers who are cut? I mean, see, that's the very real thing. And look, this is the, the, the plan that some of the. I know some of the more liberal activists have. The idea is, let's choke off the police. We don't like the cops, so let's choke them off by by defunding them. Let's not take the money, because if we don't have the money to hire the police, issues that we have with the police go away. Okay, that that's great. If you're in an environment where there is not crime, that is great if you're in an environment where there's not a record number of homicides and a record number of shootings and a record number of armed robberies and a record number of of fatal traffic accidents caused in large part by speeding or reckless driving or whatever. That's great if you want to do it then, but that's not the situation that we are in now. It's like a situation where. Gee, you know, uh, the the town is on fire. Buildings are burning right and left. I know, let's send a whole bunch of firefighters home. Ah, oh, wait, you know that, that don't don't fight those fires. Go ahead. Um you know, it's just crazy. Um, you know, Jeff, where is the media on this? I only hear it about on your show? Well, no, it's I mean the the, the media is writing about it, stories in the paper. it's it's out there. It's just. Nobody is collectively expressing outrage, and I guess that's one of the scariest things, too, because you would think that, look, if I lived in a crime-ridden area of the community and you know you were afraid to walk down to the block at the end of the block to put a letter in a mailbox because you may be the victim of a random drive-through shooting or you were afraid to go to the local grocery store and park your car in the parking lot because it might be carjacked i i would be the one that would be saying to my alderman or older woman, why in the world would you say no to this? We, I, I want police. I want to be safe. But I understand that that's politically correct nowadays, politically incorrect. Um, let's see. Um, Jeff, maybe not every social ill is solved by another cop with a gun. Well, I, I understand. Not every social ill is going to be solved with a cop by a gun. But texts like this I just reflect, refuse to reflect the reality that in, unless you have cops with guns out on the street arresting the people that are murdering other folks, you have a community that just, it's just people, decent people are going to leave. Anybody who, anybody who wants to get out, you know, is going to get out. Jeff, coming soon, Milwaukee will be Chicago North. Well, I, you know, ab- absolutely. I think that there is an element To that, Jeff, I would like to see the mayor and the higher ranks of the Milwaukee Police Department have a meeting with these aldermen and ask them what services in their district that they were present that they want to cut because they won't have the manpower and then put them on the record for the public. Yeah, exactly. When the numbers next year, again, continue to spike and go through the roof and you have these number of homicides and you have the carjackings and you have all the violent crime and people are saying, "My, my gosh. know we we need a police response we had to wait three hours for the police to come and answer this particular call well If I'm the whoever the police chief is or the mayor, you you look at some of these people and say, well, all right, you voted against cops on the street. You voted against having Milwaukee participate in this task force, which would target some of the more violent repeat offenders. And that's what it's really going to do. Because, I mean, here's the truth. You talk to police officers, you talk to prosecutors, and they'll tell you that the vast majority of crimes are committed by a relatively small percentage of people who go out and commit crime after crime after crime. The the guy that steals the car and gets away with it, well, he doesn't just steal one car. He steals another car the next night. He steals another car the next night. You get those criminals off the street. You make the world a better place. You make the community a safer place but that's not where the city of Milwaukee is going not not at all and the bottom line of all this is that you know people who live in the city of Milwaukee particularly the more crime plagued areas you have every right to expect and demand that you know there be there be a law enforcement response that can make you safe Um, people who drive through the city of Milwaukee drive on Capitol Drive take your life in your own hands Um, you have a right to demand that there be some degree of safety and it's not the police's fault it's just not if there's not enough cops to deal with crime well all right then you need to have more cops period
0: welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ
1: so very glad to have you with us group producing the show today and always you're a fan of tom cruise
3: uh, he's okay
1: yeah i, I, I kind of i mean i he, he's done some movies that i think are, are good top gun was one that i kind of like risky business he was his i think his first been one in 19 uh, that goes back to 1983 and he's been, a lot of stuff born on the 4th of july a few good men jerry maguire a lot a lot of stuff um he's you know, very very successful and he He's one of the stars that still um, commands a lot of money because people go to see Tom Cruise movies, even if they're bad Tom Cruise movies, like The the Mummy, which... They, they did not that, 2017 that was that was just a flat out bad movie and he, he's made a lot of bad movies but but nevertheless, nevertheless he's still one of these big stars so he gets paid a bunch of money one of the franchise he is also the, the star of the mission impossible franchise now if you were of a certain age you remember when mission impossible was a TV show and they used to air on saturday nights i think on on CBS and then what happened is they rebooted it as as a movie thing and mission impossible i I don't want to say I've seen them all, but I've seen several of them, and some are pretty good, and it it, it's sort of like a poor man's James Bond sort of movie. But Tom Cruise is the the star of the Mission Impossible movies, and these are big-budget movies that make a ton of money. Well, if you haven't seen the story, they are in the process right now of filming Mission Impossible 7. Now there right now the filming is going on in great britain so let let's back up a step a lot of movies had to shut down production over the course of the last several months as a result of the pandemic because they, they were just, they were closed down because you, you, the, the nature of filmmaking is kind of like this collaborative thing and they, they were not able to do this safely. So you had these government lockdowns that required this. So back in the spring, I, I want to say March or April, they were in Italy. And they were filming this movie, and what happened is they had this outbreak of COVID-19 on the set, and so the Italian government ended up shutting them down. So the thing has been out of production for, for several months. And when we're talking about movies, we're talking about movies that cost tens of millions of dollars hundreds of millions of dollars in some case to make so the production has been shuttered for a number of months because of covid-19 so they've resumed production of the movie in in great britain great britain just like the united states has been wrestling with the resurgence of covid-19 and they've got all sorts of limitations it's a uh, you know part of Part of life in England and Great Britain is going to the pubs. And that's, th- these pubs have been pretty much shut down. It's been an interesting story. I've been kind of following it through, you know, the New York Times and some of the other papers that I read about how difficult this has been on a lot of the pub owners and, and a lot of other businesses as well. So they're in Great Britain. They've resumed filming. So Tom Cruise is on the movie set the other day and they've resumed filming with these strict COVID protocols everybody social distances everybody wears masks all these these different situations because they don't number 1 they don't want people to get sick and number 2 they don't want to have to shut down again cuz this thing's been shut down for months after months after months and it costs a fortune. So the story is that, that Tom Cruise is on the the movie set and what he does is he looks over and he sees these two like assistant directors or something and they're they're not wearing masks and they're next to each other, you know, looking through a camera or watching some video or something. Cruise sees this and flips out. He starts screaming. Now, part of this, and maybe you've seen it, part of this is captured on a video because inevitably, Cruz wigs out, he's screaming at people, and somebody pulls out their phone and they start filming it. But he's yelling things like, and I would would have played part of it for you, but... There's lots of use of the F word in, in this, and by the time you start taking that out and beeping it, you, you lose the sight, but, but trust me, he, he's screaming. He's yelling things like, we are creating thousands of jobs. I don't want to ever see this again, ever. And if you don't do it, you're going to be fired, you know? And he just goes on and he's screaming. He says that the production was the gold standard for Hollywood and that, you know, everybody in Hollywood for studios, producers, insurance companies, they're looking at us and trying to and using us to make their moves. He says, you can tell it to the people that are losing their homes because our industry is shut down. And he's cursing at them, you know, it's not going to put food on their table or pay for the college education. So what he's doing is he's screaming, and he's saying, look, if you, you know, th- we have these things here, we've been shut down, if people get sick and there's an outbreak, we're going to have to shut this down again, and he's screaming at people, and somebody is is filming all this. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Two schools of thought today, now that this is leaked. One is that Tom Cruise is a pretentious jack wagon who has no business screaming at members of the crew about this. The other school of thought is here's a guy who's trying to look out for the safety of the people that are working on the production and who's trying to, you know, keep the production going. And if people aren't going to follow the rules, they deserve to be called out and they deserve to be threatened with losing their jobs. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Tom Cruise may very well be a major league jack wagon. I think that's entirely possible. But in this particular case, I guess I, I look at this story and I say, I get it. I I I understand. He's the star of this movie. He's I think getting production credit on this. He wants this to keep going. They've got rules. You've got people who aren't following the rules, and he's calling them out. I don't fault I don't fault Tom Cruise at all. Eight five five six one six one six twenty, and that's not something I would say about a lot of the stuff he does. But in this case, you've you've got these rules. They're trying to stay in business. If you've got people that are blowing them off or not following them, they deserve to be called out. Now, maybe you could say he should do it in a more politically correct fashion, but he's trying to make a point. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss next.
0: Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: which is the Iconet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, he is a producer. He has a vested interest in the movie. He wants to keep those people employed. Not a problem with him taking an active role in keeping the crew crew employed. Um, Good for him. Um, Jeff, the cynic in me says Tom Cruise had this footage released to show what a hero he is. Well, I don't know, because the the reaction to this is mixed. On the one hand, some people look at it and say, here's this out of control guy who's using the F word and is cursing at, at people and he's just over the top. The, the flip side is that – and that's kind of the way I view it, that you've got these rules. You're trying to keep you're trying to keep this production going, and you're frustrated when you see people that aren't following the rules. Um, Jeff, Tom Cruise was right. However, his delivery should have been nicer. He would have been more respected. Yeah, that's the other thing, and that's why I'm, I'm not sure that Cruise was the one that was responsible for leaking this, because he looks like he's an out-of-control jack wagon, is what he does. It, it's not like you, – you could have – You could have made your points without standing up and screaming and cursing at people. You could have had this meeting and said, look, you know, we we have got to do a better job. The reason we have these protocols in place is because we don't want to have to shut down, etc. You you don't need the unhinged sort of thing. But I I think the unhinged thing comes from the fact that I think that's probably a lot of of Tom's. Cruise. But that doesn't mean that he's wrong. Jeff, Tom Cruise is, in fact, one of the three executive producers of the film. Therefore, he's the boss. And if the rules are what they are for him, he has to enforce them. He probably didn't use the proper tone or the proper language. But as an executive producer, it's his job to make sure everybody follows the rules. That's one of our textures. And and, and I agree with that. I mean, again, you can I think the biggest complaint is do you really need to stand up and curse at, at the people that are on the, the, the set and make yourself more self-important than you are and 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 that's perhaps a reflection of the type of boss he is or, you know, the type of person he might be. But as far as the general sense of things and conveying the fact that, look, we're trying to keep this production going. These are the rules. And by the way, we've just, you know, we just came off a shutdown of multiple months because a whole bunch of people got sick on the set. Well, and so we're trying to avoid that again. And that's why we have these rules. I, I think that that's, you know, um, fair. I mean, I think and that's a reasonable sort of thing. Jeff, I manage a group of employees, and I also need them to follow direction. I would never raise my voice at them or act in the manner to get my uh, point across like Tom Cruise did yesterday. Well, and that is the other story. If you tried to do this in your typical workplace, you know, you called... I don't know. You're you're a you're a manager of, of fifteen or twenty people in you know I don't some insurance agency or something, and and you saw a couple people hanging around the copy machine without their masks on, and you decided to have one of these office meetings, and you went off on a profanity laced tirade. You know, chances are it would not be received very well. So I guess if you want to criticize the manner of Tom Cruise's delivery, I think that that's a fair sort of thing to do. Having said that, though, I'm not going to criticize him for his message. And this is Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. All right. The hot toy. And I don't even know if it's a toy. But the hot Christmas gift this year, PlayStation 5s. People want the PS5s. The, the, the gaming system. The toy, the uh, device. It's almost impossible to get this year the PS fives. Why is that? Well, first of all, it's because they are in demand. Secondly, and there's a big story about this in the Washington Post. Part of it is because of the so-called Grinch bots, Grinch bots. The Grinch bots. Apparently, um, what happens is that the PlayStation, the PS five, retails for oh around five hundred bucks. What's happened is it is very, very difficult to find. So you have a number of people out there on the Internet who that's why they're calling them bots, who what they do is they scour the Internet. They might be sitting in their mom's basement in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and they'll scour the Internet looking for stores for example, that say, hey, we, we've got some of the, the PS5s and, and we're going to put them on sale. And they've developed some of these programs that allow them to to learn when Walmart says, hey, you, you've got a Walmart in Kansas City that says, okay, we've got a couple PS5s. Then what happens is these people swoop in, they buy them, they, they order them, and they try to order as many of them as they can. They don't want the PS5s. All they're doing is they're ordering them solely with the idea that they're going to turn around and as soon as they get them, they're going to turn around and they're going to put them on eBay or whatever and try to sell them for a thousand bucks or eleven hundred bucks or or whatever. Now, this is apparently going on, and it's one of the reasons why it is so, we're pushing more people towards online sales, but it's one of the reasons why people are being incredibly frustrated with this situation and um, because they, they can't get them. Because every time something goes on, what happens is that the things just completely and totally disappear. So, I mean, here's the deal, and this is the way they're describing it. Using these, these shopping bots, the, the, the robot stuff, the, the, the algorithms or whatever to buy products is perfectly legal in the United States, but it's fl- frustrating retailers because the retailers, they're, they get calls from people in their area saying, hey, we, we can't get these things. You know, what happened? Well, we just put a 100 of these online. Well, somebody swoops in and buys them all, and then they turn around and they're selling them on eBay for two or three times what they're worth. So you've got, you know, retailers that are upset because they're hearing from their customers who are upset. Some bot operators are really modern scalpers in order in this, in order to make money by, again, forcing Santa to pay, you know, whatever exorbitant prices they want. Um, now, some are... Internet savvy people who actually want the PS5s. I have less beef with that. A situation where if you you know you you really want this, so what you're doing is you're trying to figure out a way that I can find a retailer somewhere that has it so I can buy it. Okay, well that that's one thing if you're buying it for yourself. But the idea of buying it for resale. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Here's a text, Jeff. Uh, the same thing is going on with the Xbox Series X. All right. Just a couple minutes, but here is my question: If if you're looking for one of these gaming systems, whether it's the Xbox Series S or the, the PS Five, have you been able to find it? And if you haven't been able to find it, has the search for it been frustrating? And, and my guess is the answer the answer is yes. And this is it is kind of like the modern equivalent of, of ticket scalping the idea that you have these people who will Go out and they 'll have access and they 'll buy up a bunch of tickets hot concert tickets and then what they 'll do is they 'll turn around and they 'll sell them ten minutes after the concert 's gone on sale It ends up going you know it ends up being sold out and then you go on eBay or you go on some of these private sources and you have people that are selling you know a hundred dollar tickets for five hundred in this case it 's a five hundred dollar game system that 's being sold for a thousand or more eight five five six one six one six twenty that is the Acunet mortgage talk and text line. I understand this is legal. I understand it is probably difficult for retailers to stop. But at the same time, I think it would be in their interest to try to, to try to do this. Because while you can do it and while it's legal to do it, the whole idea that, you know, people are out there scooping these things up just to make a few bucks, or in this case, a lot of bucks by reselling it to desperate parents who are trying to make sure their kids would get what they want at Christmas. To me, it's, it is a practice that I understand you can make some extra money as a side hustle, but it's nothing to be proud of. 855 616 Jeff, it took me three weeks to find one a PS5 for my son for Christmas I drove around to countless stores after they said they had a small amount delivered there are people that have 50 of them and are trying to double their money. I hope they all get stuck with them after Christmas Jeff, I think this is very frustrating. Um, can put in cart, uh, but not buy. Bots are buying them. It's my son's only present. Now he might not have a present. Just so sad. Yeah, You can go on the website, you can order them, and then by the time it comes around to pay for them, you're not able to uh, do this. Jeff, I fought the bots and won yesterday. I secured a, a PS5 through Walmart.com. For me, it's going to be a good Christmas. Yeah, that's that's it. Now, the way you respond to this is the same way you respond to the people that scoop up all the the, the tickets um, at the the minute they go on sale by using these bots. And that is you say, okay, I'm not going to go to this concert. And then you end up getting stuck with them. Now, the problem is right now there's this incredible demand. So you have all the people out there that come in and they swoop in and, hey, there's 30 30 PS5s that are going on sale at this particular location. I'm going to get them all. And now if people would not buy them in the secondary market, well, that that would end the practice because then you have somebody who's now bought 30 of these things and they're stuck with, you know, $1,500 worth of PS5s that they – Forget that $500 more, you know, so they're they're stuck with thousands of dollars worth of PS5s that they can't sell and they take a bath on it. The problem is they know that there's enough demand that they're going to be able to resell them. But just understand, whenever you're buying these things in the secondary market, what you're doing is you are encouraging all these people that are essentially shafting you by swooping in, buying something they don't want, and then turning around and trying to resell it for a profit. Don't buy in the secondary market. Maybe, just maybe, uh, people will stop doing it. Back with more in just a minute. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios
0: at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show, and now
1: WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. I just sent out a link to this story that appears in the L.A. Times today on my Twitter account. You can follow me at Twitter. It's at Jeff on Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner six twenty because. I know that there's a bunch of you who would not believe me if I described this, but I, I wanted to, to send you a, a link to the story so you can follow it. I'm going to paraphrase. It it, it has been, 2020 has been a rotten year. Let, let's just face it, between the, the pandemic and between all the stress with the election and then all the social justice protests and issues, it, it's it been a year where I, I think everybody's pretty much ready for it to end. And one of the things that I've noticed talking to you five days a week, three hours a day, I, I just noticed that everybody's kind of on their last nerve. And, it's, and I can tell it from the tone of some of the calls we get and some of the texts we get. And I, I, I try to understand that sort of thing. Uh, back at the height of the pandemic, I, I want to say like in the spring, my, my beautiful and charming wife. She was she was watching the news constantly, and you know, and it was this is back where you know it, it was all just the the death totals and things like that. And and it was it was really I could tell it was stressing her out. And I remember taking her aside and said, "Hun, you got to get away from the news cycle. You if you if you were just going to do nothing but watch." This, this relentlessly negative drumbeat of stuff, it, it's going to drive you crazy. And I think a lot of people were very stressed out by that. And so I said something I thought I would never say before, or never words that would never come out of my mouth, which was, I said, go back to watching the Hallmark channel. Cause my, my wife loves the Hallmark channel. And I know there's a, you, you might, you might as well. In the, in the world of the Hallmark channel, everything is good. You know, that the, the movies are there. The movies are incredibly predictable. And you know, we, we've talked about this before. You know, it's generally speaking, boy and girl dated in high school, boy or girl, you know, goes away to the big city, gets a big job, comes back to the small town with the mission that they're going to um, the, or the company that the girl works for is going to buy out the local grocery store, coffee shop, whatever boy and girl reconnect girl decides, I'm going to save the local coffee shop, whatever, everybody ends up happily ever after. That, that is the formula that they have. And there's variations of it, but essentially that, that's it. And, and you know, you know it's gonna turn out well. I can go in and I can watch all, I can walk in, uh, where the, where the Hallmark movies on, and within two minutes, I can tell, you know, how it's gonna end. But, but that's okay. It it is predictable, and it is incredibly popular. Now, on the Hallmark Channel and also on Lifetime, uh, once Christmas starts, and this started about late October, they, they, they do, it's Christmas movies 24-7, you know, and it's just, and they roll out a different one like a couple times a week and things like that, but it, it's all the same plot. In some cases, they, they recycle the same actors or actresses and stuff, but it, it's it's fun, harmless entertainment. It's not my cup of tea. But a lot of people love it. And they love it because it is that escapism. And I value this. Which brings me to the story that I just sent out on Twitter. Again, you can follow me on at uh, Jeff Wagner 620. Uh, this is by one of the staff writers for the LA Times. His name is Greg Braxton. Commentary. Holiday TV wants to ignore COVID-19. The alternate, re- alternate-, alternate reality is an insult To viewers and the story goes on to talk, at least it starts off with the idea of, again, first of all, you know what the hallmark movies are. And here's the operative thing. The nation's woes are absent in this torrent of cheerful content which started in late October, it's the Christmas movies, and will continue unabated until Christmas. The best known presenters of this lighter-than-air fair have been joined by places from Hulu to BET and yes, Fox Nation, broadcasting generic glossy stories featuring TV favorites like Candace Cameron Brewer and Lacey chabert as well as lesser known but always photogenic performers elaborate production designs guarantee that every frame of the movies contains a christmas tree an ornament a santa or some other joyful symbol of the holidays immensely popular Offering reliable escapism in picture-perfect settings where the celebration of Christmas cures all ills. Grief, loneliness, financial difficulties, family estrangement. If the struggling family farm is in danger of being sold to big city developers, if the family doesn't come up with enough cash by Christmas Eve, as in Lifetime's Christmas a la mode, viewers can rest assured that a Christmas miracle will arrive just in time. Right, okay, that's fair. And here is the paragraph. These films have always been set in an alternate reality that has nothing to do with the real world or anxiety, depression, and even despair experienced by scores of people during the holidays. But in 2020, these movies' commitment to making merry at all costs seems especially out of touch, not least because the pandemic has killed so many and made it impossible for a significant number of families to say goodbye to their loved ones in person. After all, these movies don't air in a vacuum. And it goes on to talk about just, you know, how how terrible it is that we're running this lighter-than-air fair, these happy escapism things that people can turn to, because don't you know there's a pandemic going on? Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, so the point of this is that... By Hallmark Channel or Lifetime or these other stations airing this lighter-than-air f- fare, the escapism, by by not obsessing about the pandemic or presumably social justice issues or issues related to the election, by not putting the real world in them, they are insulting you. They are doing a disservice to what is going on in the world. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, again, to me... A little of the Hallmark Channel goes a long way. A little of the Lifetime movies go a long way. But you know what? I understand the escapism. And I just think it's incredible that you have these coastal elites that are out there telling us what we should watch and what we shouldn't watch. And that we should feel guilty because, gee, we understand there's all this bad stuff going on in the world. And and how dare we spend two hours or four hours or six hours a night watching this stuff that takes your mind off of the things that are going on in the real world. So should we feel guilty for watching the Hallmark Channel? Is it an insult to what is going on in the world that people are flocking to this escapism. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My answer is, if you want to watch it because it makes you feel good or distracts you or entertains you, I say go with God, 855-616-1620. All right, if you watch the Hallmark Channel or Lifetime watching these different Christmas movies, all right, they're escapism. But should we feel guilty about that? Should you feel guilty about it? Why do you watch them in the first place? And I don't know, I watch basketball games or I watch soccer games or I watch football games because they are a form of escapism. Is this really any different? We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on.
0: Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: 855-616-1620. That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I understand the Hallmark Channel is incredibly popular and probably more popular this time of year than at rest because they, they roll out their Christmas movies and Lifetime rolls out its Christmas movies. Give you an example. I think it was Saturday night. My wife and I were at home and, and we were looking for a Christmas movie on Netflix. They were showing the old uh, Bing Crosemary, Rosemary Clooney, um, White Christmas with Danny Kay. I, we love that movie. Sat down and watched it together for two hours. Okay, it, yes, it is escapism. Yes, they're not talking about COVID. Yes, they're not talking about protests in the street. Yes, they're not talking about elections but so what who cares it is escapism this piece that i just referred to in the la times that i sent out on twitter you've got this critic who's complaining well how dare the hallmark channel put this stuff out there it's covid free don't we know that people died during the pandemic yeah people know that people died during the pandemic but the fact that people are going to hallmark indicates that they're looking for a little bit of escapism in their life What's wrong with that? 855 616 Jeff, I enjoy Hallmark movies, but I also enjoy The Wizard of Oz, Lord of the Rings, and Harry Potter. They all have one thing in common. They are not real life. I'm living real life. I want something to escape to. Um, Yeah. Jeff, I don't care whether or not traditional holiday programs and escapism stories show relevant current pandemic situations. Um, You know, that's... That's it what I do find annoying is mainstream TV series is trying to show that then showing us lots of inconsistent use of masks and things like that um Jeff uh, let's see here um 8556161620 uh, I enjoy the Hallmark channel to get a little enjoyment in the day. I read the Hallmark Facebook page. I read on the Hallmark pay Facebook page the number of the Christmas movies were filmed before COVID hit. Makes me happy because COVID is avoided in these movies. Well, the truth is COVID was going to be avoided in these movies regardless. You, you don't the the essence of the hallmark movie or the lifetime christmas movie is that w- whatever the problem is, you know, we're, we're trying to get timmy out of the well, we're trying to save the mill, we're trying to save the coffee shop, whatever that's going to be, is it's going to be it's going to be solved by the end of the movie. That is the formula that they have and that's what people um want. Jeff, my mother's motto, if you don't like it, don't look. Yeah, um, that's it. Jeff, why pick on, um, Hallmark Channel for being disconnected from, from reality? Now oh, there's an element there, Jeff, it's either Christmas move music or the Hallmark channel. When I'm doing Christmas activities, it makes me happy. Jeff, you hit the nail on the head. You watch these movies because they are an escape from the everyday, whether you do not have someone in your life around the holidays or to give yourself hope or just be happy. um, That used to be the purpose of movies. Well, yeah, I think that's that that that's kind of it i i think my wife is pretty happy with her life but but she likes watching these movies and and again you you they're they're silly they're you know they're sentimental you know how they're going to turn out you know they're going to have a happy ending you know that people aren't going to you know die at the end of the movie you know it's all going to work out and that is somewhat comforting it is an escape from real life gianni and montello you're on wtmj
3: Yes, hello, Jeff. Um, Hi, what, what, what a silly essay! Uh, and, and, you know, um, uh, uh, escape does because people need it psychologically, and we need it sociologically. Um, and there's also some creativity, but you can figure out what's going to happen. They're, 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 you know, the script is not too complicated. But um, I, I think this guy has just, uh, you know, run out of things to write about. Um, <laughs> well, what, and I, I bet you he's.
1: I, I, if you, if he he you needs the, the Hallmark support, Channel. Jeff, this is a guy that needs yeah, the Hallmark. I, channel. Channel get bring yeah, a little life into his yeah.
3: exactly. And I, by the way, if you took away, maybe he's a, you know, if he took away his sports, um, you know, his basketball or football or you know whatever he's into, or whatever pastime he has or his hobby, uh, he wouldn't uh, you know he, he wouldn't condemn that. But you know, he'll go after um, escapism on the Hallmark Channel. It's ridiculous. It's the holiday season. Why know.
1: It, it, it is. Well, thanks thanks for calling. Or even when it's not the holiday season, when you're watching, look, I again, I. I a little of the Hallmark Channel goes a long way with me, but I know that there's lots of you out there that absolutely love it. Um, Jeff, really, can we have a small portion of our life that doesn't revolve around COVID without people being so sensitive? I think it's ridiculous. Jeff, whatever happened to minding your own business? If you don't want to watch it, turn it off. Jeff, I don't like the Hallmark Channel, but could this writer be any more of a Grinch? Let's ruin Christmas this year for people on top of all the bad things that that happen this year. Right. I mean, that's that's the idea. Jeff, I'm watching too much news, too. I'm depressed enough. I prefer certain reruns. I don't like the Hallmark movies, but... But I understand. I look to find the other stuff that's out there. Jeff, I like watching sports and Hallmark movies. They are a break from COVID. Some of the news night, nighttime medical shows are all about COVID. I told my husband I don't like watching even some of my favorite shows because I want to take a break from talking about COVID. I like that I can count on Hallmark giving me a happy ending. Um Yeah, that's I mean, that's it, Jeff. I don't care whether or not it's traditional holiday programming or escapism stories um, that show relevant current pandemic situations. Yeah, that's the thing. Look, here's the deal. Yesterday, we were talking about this briefly. Uh, John McGivern, who is the. You know, a local guy who's the comedian. He he's done around the corner for Milwaukee PBS for the season. Ran the show ran for nine seasons. PBS Milwaukee PBS has, has canceled it. They're not renewing it. They they didn't film shows this year because of the pandemic, and they said they're not bringing it back for more shows. And their statement says that they want to concentrate. I'm paraphrasing now, but just a bit. They want to concentrate on, you know, more real world stuff. They they want to they want to do programming next year that that talks about the pandemic and talks about social justice issues and all that. To which my response was, OK, but I mean, isn't there a role for escapists and, and escapism? In this case, McGivern's around the corner show you know that they went around to different different communities in Wisconsin and they highlighted fun things and it took a lighthearted view of it i'm not saying you can't talk about the pandemic obviously that is an issue i'm not saying that stations shouldn't talk about social justice issues but at the same time I think there is a huge demand out there for people who who don't want to have don't want to be beaten over their head, over the head 24 seven by the news cycle about, OK, th- this is the latest in politics and this is the latest in covid and this is the latest in social justice stuff. It, it, people don't want to be beaten over the head by that. And, yes, you want to be informed about that. And, and, yeah, I understand having some shows that do that. But have we really got to a point in 2021 where people think that there's no room for that escapist type of stuff i'll tell you in trying to put together this show it is always i always struggle with trying to find that balance and i know that there's some of you who have no trouble telling me when you think that the show's out of balance why are you talking about the election so much and they have run up to the election. Why are you talking about the pandemic issues? Why are you talking about the protests in Kenosha? And then you get the flip side saying, why are you talking about the Hallmark Channel? Don't you understand that there's a pandemic going on? Why are you talking about the Hallmark Channel? Don't you understand that there's the social justice stuff? So you, you try to balance that out and recognize that I understand there's some people who just just give me the bad news. Give me the bad news. I want to wallow in. I want to wallow in all the stuff that is going on in the world that I want to get myself frustrated and upset. I I understand. There's some people that that's that's what they're all about. I'm just saying that there needs to be a balance. And if you don't want to watch the Hallmark Channel, don't watch the Hallmark Channel. If you don't, if you want to be a Grinch, you know, be a Grinch. But why would you deprive other people of being able to, you know, enjoy the stuff? And why would you say shame on the Hallmark Channel because, you know, their movies don't show people that are losing their parents in nursing homes to COVID-19. I mean, yeah, that's just what people would tune into the Hallmark Channel to see. In this case, you know, the girl comes back from New York to visit her dying mother, and by the end of the, the show, everybody in the nursing home has gotten COVID and passed away. Okay, that's not why people are tuning into the Hallmark Channel, period. When we come back, we're going to find out what John and Melissa have on their minds for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Please stick around.